Hey, Nelson, alcoholic addict. That's not my real name. That is a pretend name that I use here at LOL Sober. A subscriber reached out to me recently and asked if I would talk a little bit about shame. And I said, screw you. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> I love the suggestion and I will always take feedback like that. And wow, what a topic, right? Shame. I had a few thoughts, so I decided to just uh, list them, you know, in general, I will say that I no longer feel a lot of shame, but I used to, I would, I, for a long time, I would think back on certain important moments in my life and I either wasn't there or I was there, but not actually there. Um, a specific one that I still think about sometimes is that I get this pang in my stomach that I think used to be shame. I get this pang when I think about how my first two daughters were born into delivery rooms where I was absolutely hammered standing there trying to figure out how to get painkillers as my wife gave birth. Not my finest moment, let me tell you. I'm, But I'll, I'll say I'm at a place now where everything that I used to feel shame about now is now guilt. I would say there's a big difference in my book. I can live with guilt, not so much with shame. So here are a couple things I that came to mind when I was thinking about shame. First of all, the 12 steps helped me enormously. Can't even put a price tag on that. Working the steps with a sponsor helped me it helped me figure out my resentments, my character defects, and then how to make amends to people where I needed to. I can't tell you how much that cleaned up some of the shame. It was a lot. You know, with guidance, that's important, with guidance, uh, I was able to talk, talk, uh, I don't know, I was able to take about 90% of the things that ate away at me and, and make those situations right. Second thing, um, more specifically on that idea is, is the fifth step. And when I did my fifth step with a trusted, sober friend, it was a game changer. He had heard my first four steps. He heard the worst parts of me. From my past and the worst parts of me that were still cranking out resentments every day. He heard the worst of me. And at the end, he said, I identify with you and I have worked through some of the same things. And then he told me he loved me and he supported me. And I remember being like, what? You just listened to all of that and you said, I love you and I support you. I just, I felt so much air get let out of the balloon, out of the shame balloon in that moment. A quick side note about that story, um, to end on a funny kicker, I've shared this before, but one of my favorite stories is that when I got done with my fifth step, my friend said that. He said, great job. I love you. And I remember I felt very awkward and I said, um, I feel like if we're going to love each other, I feel like we should know each other's last names. And he, he just died laughing and said, hey, what do you think this is, a one-night stand or what? And he, but he told me his last name, and I told him mine, and we went from there. It was beautiful. The third thing about shame um, is that recovery taught me a new way to apologize. I had said sorry over and over and over again my whole life for bad stuff. Nobody wanted to hear that from me anymore. They just didn't. They wanted to know that I meant it. And I was doing everything I could to not do it again. And I mostly I mostly did that once I got sober for a while. In sobriety, I spent a lot of time paying attention to the way our literature 
and how sober people talk about the concept of owning bad deeds, owning your bad stuff. Um, we're told, you know, keep your side of the street clean, make amends when necessary, and accept the consequences. And we're also told if somebody doesn't want your apology or says to lose their phone number and never call again, you know, sometimes I got to accept that too without over-investing in their response. I've had circumstances where I, I own something and say sorry, and somebody listens, and they say, yeah, thanks, but leave me alone. And it stings. But it is what it is. Accepting it is hard, but I've learned how to do it. I can, you know, I guess I would say I can own something without it owning me. Fourth thing. Don't freaking do the shameful thing again. <laughs> it sounds it sounds so simple. Like, ah. And it seems like I don't need to say it out loud, but I know I need to hear myself say it and be reminded of it. You know, it's like the number one thing. Like, don't do it again. You can't say sorry for something if you did it last last night, you know? I'll give you one specific example from my active addiction days that caused me and lots of other people heartache even years later. I would I would sometimes lash out and say really mean stuff to people, like deal breaker stuff, the kinds of stuff that could end relationships or change them forever in a bad way. I would just verbally lash out. And in sobriety, I had to reckon with stuff that was said. I could not take it back. I could not <laughs> rewind a VCR tape and wipe that out. I, I did it. I said it. Um, but I learned. I learned in sobriety, working with others, learned how to make amends the best that I could. And then it's critical to not freaking do it again. You can't say something terrible, say you're sorry for it, and then say it again 10 days later. It's like when, I said, when I said sorry for lashing out that one time three years ago, the, the key part was that it happened one time three years ago, not 26 times. Um, I could then, uh, I, could, I still felt guilty about some of that stuff, but it was guilt, not shame, and that was important. Uh, the fifth thing that I wrote down is um, the title of, of this. I titled it The Shame of Shame because I often am too hard on myself. I spend way too much time looking backward and forward and wishing something either was different or will be different. And it is such a waste of time. I love the phrase, don't live in the wreckage of your future. Um and don't live in the wreckage of your past either. Like I can't, I can't change the past. I don't have a time machine. I cannot wipe it from your brain. It happened, and I need to own the past, but not, but not beat the living shit out of myself about it. Or else I'm in danger. I'm in danger of either drinking over it or acting like I was drinking, like being off the spiritual beam. And I had somebody say to me once, "Beat yourself up with a feather, not a baseball bat." And so what I mean by the shame of shame is that if I have shame and then I feel shame about the shame, that's, that's like giving myself two life sentences when I might not even deserve one. It is unnecessary roughness that does no good. Shame on top of shame is just twice the amount of shame. All right, last but not least, uh, this is an important one to me, recovery doesn't fix every single problem. As hilarious and brilliant as I am, I am not a doctor 
a dentist. I'm not an attorney, a psychiatrist. I'm not a PTSD expert or anything else resembling an actual smart person. Um, I've figured out a way to not drink and do drugs, and I think that I um, can be helpful along the ride. Um, but I, I, as much as I'm not those things I just described, um, doctor, dentist, psychiatrist, all that, I can say, though, that I have seen individual therapists, pain management doctors regarding my chronic pain, and I went to a marriage therapist, and I have grown quite a bit from all those things. Uh, it, it helps to see a professional for some of these things. I remember I had about 10 years sober, and my my life was chugging along pretty good. But my wife suggested, hey, well, let's, what do you think about trying marriage therapy? Maybe it'll help us communicate a little better. And I initially was thinking, uh, well, I, I guess, but I'm doing great. If she feels like there's issues, it's probably because she needs to see somebody. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's just such a joke. Um you know, I talked to some recovery friends about that, and they all basically said, what, 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 what could possibly be the harm? <laughs> like, even if you both, both don't learn anything new and you stop going after two months, it will, it will be a nice thing you do together, and it will, be, it will go a long way towards showing that you care about your relationship, that you both tried that way. So we went, and it was great. And uh, I think a very good marriage got even better and we did learn some stuff about productive ways to talk to somebody you love. So, man, there's some trauma and things that happen to people that just, uh, you know, another sober friend probably can't heal for me the way that a, a therapist or counseling or something might do. So, man, I'd follow the lead of a lot of our literature, which says for, for some of these problems, see a professional. So... That's all I got for today. If anybody else has suggestions, please hit me up. I'd need it. I'm practically out of good ideas. So please, I need you guys. Thank you. Thanks for letting me share.